This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. So we played David Bowie earlier. Today is the late great David Bowie's birthday. Then we played uh, one of the Doors members. I know it's not Manzarek and Jim Morrison. Is it again Richie? Robbie. Robbie, that's right. Krieger. Robbie Krieger. Today is his birthday. And this one, the King Elvis Presley. Today would be what? About a hundred and what? No. Eighty-five? Nine. Eighty-nine. Here he is, the King Elvis Presley. Would have been eighty-nine years old today. That's a big one somewhere out there right now. Rob Bartlett is masturbating. Well, that would have been on any... Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. What was it again? Was it Fat Elvis? Was that the name of the bit on the IMA show, Fat Elvis? Yeah, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> right, come on, Don, baby. Come on. Come on, baby. He died at 42. Yeah. Who did? He died at 42. No, I know. Very young man in a toilet bowl. What do you think I meant, Rob? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, happy birthday to uh, David Bowie and Robbie from the Doors and Elvis Presley. We're not done with our tributes yet. We also played a tribute to David Soul, that great song. Which I've forgotten the title already. <laughs> Don't give up. Don't on give us. up on us, baby. Yeah, we died on Friday. We uh, we've had a couple of great guests already today. Mary Glynn, who's the head of the Rockaway Republican Club. We got an issue out of my neighborhood. These illegals are like walking into people's houses and sitting down. Hey, I'm home, honey. What? And then Curtis, who called this a long time ago. Still to come, next hour, Steve Bannon starts his regular Monday visits with me. I'm excited about that. Mike Lawler, he was just on CNN, congressman out of Rockland County. Deal on the table that uh, may stop the government from shutting down. Plus, he was at the border last week. He'll stop by at 8.15. My daughter, Ava, goes back to college tomorrow, back to Europe. She's live in studio this morning. Good morning. And uh, former Washington Redskin, great, two Super Bowls, Joe Theismann, the Falcons fired, the Atlanta Falcons fired their coach, Arthur Smith, last night. And uh, the report is is that Washington, now known as the commander, stupid, but it is, is set to fire their coach, Ron Rivera, later on today. We'll talk to Joe Theismann coming up later on. But first, uh, this guy's on this time every Monday morning because he's great. He's the editor of the National Review, NBC Political, all of it, my dear friend, Rich Lowry. Rich, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing great. Gotta, so uh, much going on. So much going on. i give my regards to Joe Theismann. I'm an old Washingtonian, one of those Washingtonians who's crushed when Joe Theismann took over from Billy Kilmer, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. It proved you didn't have to be able to throw a spiral to succeed. That's true. Quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, Billy had, did never throw a spiral. They went yeah. from, <laughs> they actually went from Sonny Jurgensen to Billy Kilmer to Joe Theismann, which is pretty good. And, you know, Theismann didn't want to play in the, he was drafted by the Miami Dolphins, Don Shula drafted Theismann, but they had Greasy. 
So Theismann went uh, to Canada. He went to Canada for a couple of years. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and then Joe Gibbs took him in Washington. He took him to two straight Super Bowls, 17 and 18, before Lawrence Taylor ended his career yeah. in, in the ugliest of fashions well, on Monday Night Football. Man, was well, that the worst moments in Monday Night Football oh, history. Oh, God, and LT was literally traumatized by that. He really was. He'll, he'll tell you that, in all honesty, that was uh, he saw the bone literally mm. come out of his skin, his knee. Yeah. And it was just nasty. So, uh, listen, a lot going on. The show is going to be a lot of fun for the next month or so. The Super Bowl, February the 11th in Las Vegas. We're going to do a lot of politics, a lot of football, all that stuff that will make this show the most, really the, the most uh, versatile show in New York and maybe across the globe. But we are one week away from the caucus in Iowa. And uh, Trump is still holding huge leads. You know, he's joking around in Clinton, Iowa this weekend that, you heard that uh, Nikki Haley had this big surge last week, this big surge in New Hampshire, and he's still kicking her ass there, too, by the way, kicking her ass. So uh, the, the caucus now a week away. Are we, are we done with these primaries? Are we still talking about it? <laughs> I mean, come on now. Come on. Enough of this. Jeez. You know what? You know who agrees with you that it's, it's all done, apparently? It's like every producer on a Sunday show. I, I, I didn't watch them all yesterday, but no one even talks about this primary. It's like it's it's not happening. It's not. In a lot of respects. It's not happening. No. So we haven't seen any Iowa polling, and I don't know. It seems like two weeks. You got to assume Trump's still above fifty. I think that's the kind of watermark. You know, people try to say if he's under fifty, well, that's kind of an underperformance. But every indication is he'll crush in Iowa. Nikki is genuinely gaining on him in New Hampshire, and I, I think there's like a thirty, forty percent chance she she could nip him there in New Hampshire. But well, well, let me stop you right now. Let me stop you right now. Yeah. Let's say mm-hmm. she's not going to beat him. Just trust me. Write it down. She's not going to beat him. She'll make it. Clear. Close, she ain't going to beat him. Let's say she beats him. Let's say Nikki Haley wins New Hampshire. What does that mean? She still has no chance of winning the primary. None. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's the problem. She she could win New Hampshire. Maybe you're right. You know, maybe she she won't. If Trump crushes in Iowa, it's going to make it harder to beat him in New Hampshire. But even if she does, it'll be because New Hampshire has uh, relative to other primaries a lot of moderates, and Democrats and independents can participate. And they're all with uh, Chris Christie or Nikki. And Christie, even if he doesn't get out, I think will kind of kind of fade. He, he some time maybe he already is. But that, where does she go to find an electorate like that any, anywhere else on the map? You know, her hope has to you be can't. you know just South Carolina. Is is home territory, but it doesn't matter. It's like Marco Rubio didn't win Florida against Trump. She, she's very likely not going to win South Carolina. She's getting killed in South Carolina in the polling right now, getting killed. Yeah, she's at 25%, I think, in the last poll. And look, you know, if she wins New Hampshire, she'll go up places, but she's not going up to 50. She's going up more like to 30. Right. So <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. It's very, very unlikely. It's funny, though, watching the media today. You know, uh, January 6th, uh, I guess, was a couple of days ago. What's today's date? Is today the 8th? Oh, today's the 8th. Yeah, so Saturday was January 6th. I wasn't on the air. If I was, I was not going to make a big deal about it anyway because I'm on record a thousand times saying, yes, it was an embarrassing day. It was not a good day for trump it was not a good day for america it was a crappy day but it wasn't nearly nearly the disaster that this media makes it out to be you've got members in congress who compared january 6th to the holocaust to pearl harbor to 9-11 i swear to god it's so embarrassing so i'm not going to add any more fuel to this ridiculous fire on what was embarrassing more than it was awful one person died that day one and she was a trump supporter shot by a black cop mind you but they're still going on and on because i guess trump and elise stefanik agrees that the folks that were arrested on january 6th this is unbelievable 
They're still in jail, some of them, in solitary confinement. you got people who've committed ten rapes walking the streets of New York City. Yep. But these poor bastards who did nothing but enter the Capitol are still in jail. So I guess we refer to them as hostages, and that's all MSNBC and CNN want to talk about this morning. Yeah, and I obviously agree it was an embarrassing day, but you're not allowed to say this, you know, in the mainstream press. But if there had been adequate security, you know, some guys would have shaken the barriers, you know, and, and there would have been a huge phalanx of cops that they wouldn't have been able to breach, and a couple would have hit a cop or something and been immediately arrested, and everyone else would have gone home, you know? Right. And we'd never talk about January 6th again. Now, some of these guys, you know, they're clearly being overcharged, <clears throat> and uh, but some, you know, they, they, uh, they, they assaulted cops. And, and broke in to try to disrupt this proceeding, and that's that's very bad. But hostages, you know, I, I think these individual cases should be looked at for you know commuting sentences and all the rest of it. But hostages is what happened on October seventh. Yeah, fair so enough. That 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 yeah. that word is is too far for me. But you know, it just shows that that, uh, that this is not news to anyone. Elise was auditioning for for Veep in that interview, and for those purposes, I think she did a very good job. Yep. And you just got to be on the media. Uh, in the media, when you're talking about Trump and you want something from Trump, you got to be all in, 110 percent in. Yep. Now he wants you to push back occasionally in private, but not in public. So uh, she clearly wants a job and probably helped herself. I like her. She'd be my choice. We've been over the Nikki Haley discussion already. Bannon will join me in about an hour. He can't stand Nikki Haley, so I think Elise is uh, probably the uh, the right choice. For that, and again, uh, Iowa caucus now, once again, just a week away, and just nothing, nothing here out of uh, Biden. You know, uh, Bill uh, O'Reilly does this piece every morning on the show, Rich, before you come on. And he talked about what do Joe Biden and, um, excuse me, what do Donald Trump and Benedict Arnold have in common? And the answer is both are considered traitors by Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be his his platform because, you know, he's done nothing. He's had a couple of bills that were really not very good that he boasts were great, which, of course, they weren't. And there's two world wars, and uh, everything is more expensive in America today. It's a complete mess. But outside of trying to make Trump look like this demon, this devil, what else does Joe Biden have? Yeah, that's what he's got. You know, they they got to hope the the economy holds up and and, and gets better. But we'll hear this all Valley Forge speech over and over again. You know, and, and the logic of it is, if the constitutional republic is really at stake, you know, if Trump wins, it's all over. Joe Biden should step down now and say, I, I'm going to let you know Mark Warner or some inoffensive Democrat who would very very likely beat Trump run to save our country. Wait, you, you think you democracy. think you think Mark Warner can beat Donald? You don't really believe that. I do. Mark I do. Warner, I someone who. Someone I think Kurt Warner has a better chance. <laughs> <laughs> I think someone is just a, a moderate-seeming, sentient, uh, capable young Democrat would would have a major upper hand uh, against Trump. But Biden is none of those things. And you know, he also said that he's gone to the funerals of all the officers killed on January sixth. It's a lie. Uh, it's a lie. He's just making yeah. it up. He said that uh, not one died. The, the nut job who attacked Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's uh, husband, was a MAGA extremist hyped up on Trump lies. The guy is a lunatic, like right. a certifiable, certifiable lunatic. So the other thing is, like, if you're going to defend, you know, righteousness and all, don't tell lies in the course of it. And then, you know, he can't get off the stage. He can't. He, he's confused at the helicopter, where to go to go home. I mean, th- this guy is a debacle for them, just an utter debacle. But this is all he got. He's got, and he's going to ride it as as long as he's. 
You know, I remember when it was my idea to have you on every week, you know. And uh, Bernard wasn't all for it early on. He's like, you know, he's a never-Trumper. And I go, well, I don't care. Uh, but is he? Because <laughs> every time he comes on, Larry, he, he actually says nice things about Trump. Yeah, but don't don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. But it is true. Bernie was right. You you were, I guess, in that camp, just like Lindsey Graham was, my cousin Norm Coleman. Now, they've come around. And I guess if you criticize Trump just a little back then, you were a never-Trumper as well, as well as the guys who said, I just never vote for him. But um, now that Mark Warner, your choice is not running. <laughs> And it is Trump against Biden, and I know you don't want to you don't want to show your hand here uh, a, a year out. But is it fair to uh, less than a year, but about ten months out? Is it fair to assume that uh, because you do love this country, that even a guy like you, a never Trumper, would not vote for Joe Biden over Donald Trump? No, would you? Uh, yeah, and and never vote for Joe Biden. I don't think I've ever voted for a Democrat. Now, I just I'm not a I'm not a Trump guy. There are things that just drive me crazy about him, and I keep me from ever getting on on board with him. But um, no, I mean Biden's a, a debacle. You um, backstabbing son of a bitch! He took you for lunch. <laughs> he, you know, he called me the other day. He keeps working me. You know, he he never gives up. This is one reason he's a good. Did he really call you the other day? Oh yeah, he said uh, uh, I'm, I'm 52 or 54 percent, which is better than I, than I was, and clearly uh, there, there can be some more upward trajectory. So he's going to keep at it, you know. And uh, it was it was charming and funny. So well, you you are I, uh, you are literally one phone call away from Trump being his campaign manager. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. uh, he sensed his weakness. He sensed softness in me. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why he does that, and I mean this, is because you genuinely care about the country. You do. And, um, you know, you you have some, some points about Trump that are tough to argue. You know, they are. But I think at the end of the day, you both want the same thing, you and Donald Trump, to fix the country. And I don't think Democrats want to do that. That is literally the last thing he said to me. He, he was on a golf cart. You know, he just he just apparently had a really great round of golf. And, and he said, we want the same things, Rich. It, See? It just what you said. So, I, that, I mean, that's that. There, that's true. There's a big overlap. Plus, I'm always going to defend him when he's attacked unfairly, always. Um, so we'll, we'll see, you know. Plus, don't forget, he was very good friends with George Stein, but I was just interesting. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right, yo, Rich, you're great. I love you, man. Have a great right, week, thank okay? You. Uh, thank you. Bye-bye. There he is, the editor of the National Review. I love to read his stuff in the New York Post. He's on TV all the time, NBC, and he's also uh, got stuff in Politico. He does it all. He's a great Monday morning guest, Rich Lowry. 